Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello and welcome. This is Dr. Shaheen Gadir, and I'm an expert in the world of fertility, the area that I love and have passion for. I have helped thousands of people around the globe start their beautiful families, and in this podcast, The Fertile Life, I interview guests about their path to parenthood and dive into discussions around how the road to becoming a parent shapes us. Through insightful conversations, I hope to create a guide for listeners in all stages of life and break many stigmas often associated with fertility. Follow along as I take you through the journey towards the fertile life. Y'all, I am so excited to announce it is finally all happening. Shenanigans is going live May 12th in New York City at City Winery. Tickets are available today. You can get them for $25. We're also doing a VIP meet and greet photo op package for $50. And I'm just so excited to meet you guys, finally take the show live and get into some shenanigans. But first, here's today's episode. From Vanderpump Rules to motherhood and everywhere in between, it's time to catch up with Sheena Shea. This is Shenanigans. And now, here's your host, Sheena Shea. Hello, hello, everyone. Today, we are joined virtually by former MTV VJ, TV personality, and host of the podcast, Waiting for Impact, Mr. Dave Holmes. How are you? Sheena. Sheena, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. Honored to be here. I was so excited when I got the ask for you to be on my show, and we've been trying to make this happen for months, and we're finally doing it. It's finally happening. I was thrilled that they reached out. This is great. Yeah. It's good to meet you. You as well. So where are you today? Well, I'm at home. I'm in my office that I've you know barely left in two years. Mm-hmm. But I am in what I am told is the nexus of the Vanderpump Valley. Oh. I, am, I think I am equidistant from all of the... The big white houses. No way. <laughs> I know I know for sure that Jackson and Brittany are right around the corner from me. Uh-huh. And then I guess the others are, are scattered around the area. We haven't met, 
Vanderpump Valley. Yeah, I was just there this past weekend for a birthday party and we went from one house to the next. And I mean, you could walk. It's so close. Yeah, that's what I'm told. I only know for sure where the one is. They're all within like a block or two of me. You possibly walked right past my house. I Didn't probably did. <laughs> Exciting. You know, I'm thrilled that they've jazzed up the neighborhood. Yeah, no, it's so nice. It really is. It was kind of sleepy before, but now hot, hot, hot. Yeah, you got cameras hopefully rolling again soon, so. I guess so, yeah. We'll I guess see. So. This all happened, like, right around at the start of lockdown. So mm -hmm. we started doing a thing in early lockdown uh, where we would just, like, put chairs and a table on our front lawn and make a martini and wave at our neighbors. Yeah. And then slowly, you know, because in L.A. you don't really know your neighbors all right. that well. But one by one, people would stop by, you know, when they were out walking their dogs or, you know, out, you know, with their stroller or whatever. And we would find that the Nalgene bottles were full of gin and tonic. And, you know, <laughs> little by little, we got to know our neighbors, which was a pleasure. None of the, the cast members have we met yet, but I have seen Jax driving around on, on what looks like a cooler on wheels. It, yes. Yes. It is a, an ice chest cooler on wheels. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's the kind of ingenuity I can get behind. It definitely. Well, thank you for taking the time to sit down and talk to me today. I've got to tell you, I have Motown Philly in my head because I was just watching the music video to see this part, this three second clip of this band, Sudden Impact, because I wanted to understand where your fascination with them came from. So for those of you who don't know, this has been, what, three decades in the making? It's been a good 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, as you said, Boys mm -hmm. to Men have their, their big debut video. They've been signed by Michael Bivens of New Edition and Bill Biv DeVoe, who is starting kind of his own entertainment company as part of Motown. And, uh, and so Boys to Men, uh, he signs. A group called Another Bad Creation, who have a, a couple top 10 hits, he signs. And then, like, his third act in his, like, three-artist development deal is a boy band called Sudden Impact. And they they get a little cameo in the video for Motown Philly, which becomes, you know, one of the biggest videos of the year, 1991. Totally. And yeah, unescapable. And, and it's like, it's a big debut. Their name is literally in lights over their heads and they like point at the camera, real bold, like, you know, here we come. Yeah, and then we're that the was next kind big of, thing. We're the next big thing. And, you know, it was, you could believe that they would be, you know, New Kids mm -hmm. on the Block were big at the time. Obviously, Boys to Men exploded and became the biggest selling R&B group of all time. So in the back of my mind, I was always like, what ever happened to Sudden Impact? And like in 1991, we had no internet, really. So there was kind of nowhere to like research them. If they did any kind of interviews, it was for like a newspaper and that be on paper. Uh, and that went away. So it, it was just kind of one of those weird little mysteries. You know, we're, we're in this time when there's really no such thing as like arguments about facts anymore because everyone has a computer in their pocket and you can all, you can always find out, you know, what happened to whoever, you know, in the blink of an eye. And there's stuff that happened just before that that I think is really interesting. And that was one of them. So, we're, you know, we're now living in the world of the podcast where... I can actually like swindle someone into paying me money to like do 10 episodes looking into this story, which I did. For me, it's like, there's so much around it. You know, it's a music industry, not quite rise and fall because they, you know, there, there wasn't m much of a rise. There's a, a music industry story there, but then there's also, you know, there's stuff to think about the nature of success and failure and 
what happens when you have a big dream and it looks like it's about to happen and it just doesn't. There's there's just a lot of story there. So I, I, I got to tell it. 10 episodes. They're all out now. That's so awesome. It's like taking investigative journalism to a whole new level. Exactly. You know, we're, we're living in a really interesting time. Like you can kind of just get a crazy idea and then go do it. And that's, I don't know, that's a thrill. So you see the band set an impact for a second in the video. You also see the other band, Bad Creation. So Another what happened creation. to them? They blew up. They had two hit songs. They had Aisha and Playground. You know, they released a few more albums and I, I you know, I, they probably do a reunion tour every couple of years, but they, you know, they had a moment and they made, you know, they made some money and they sold some records. If you search for another bad creation, you'll find them. If you search for Sudden Impact, you get the Clint Eastwood movie and that's about it. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm fascinated by the moment just before the Internet came and kind of ruined our brains when when you could have like a moment in the spotlight and then just kind of disappear. Totally. You know? There's no disappearing anymore. Yeah, that's such an interesting thing because I remember with dial-up, the late or mm -hmm. like mid-90s, I think I was in maybe junior high at the time, when the internet came around. But anything before that, it's like, what, you have to go to the library? You have to find old papers? Exactly. So that's got to exactly. be so hard to research. Well, it was kind of, but I had a lucky break, which was that as Michael Bivens expanded his his sort of empire that he was building at Motown... He signed a bunch more acts, and most of them didn't really release anything either. There was a group called 702 uh, that had, a, had Where My Girl's At. And a, a oh, I remember that. that was, yeah. Oh, From sure. the front yeah, to yeah. back. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Is he feeling that? Put one <laughs> yeah. hand up. Yeah. Can you repeat um, that? Yes. Trying to take my man. See, I don't need that. So don't play yourself. We could we could reconstruct it all day long. And, I loved that you song. Know, when one of the gang has a karaoke party, let's duet on that one. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because mm -hmm. I'll just, I'll go. I'll crash it if I'm not. Monday that. nights um, at Rockin' Riley's. Oh, is that where it is? Yeah, my friend Jesse Montana hosts a karaoke night. So as soon as I'm okay. back in LA, I'm going to let you know and we're going to okay. do it. Yeah. Boom. Great. Great. I'll do my vocal warm-ups. We'll be ready to go. Perfect. But uh, another young singer who he signed, uh, who Michael Bivens signed in around 1991, 92, uh, who I found out uh, through my research, her name, she recorded under the name Yvette, but we know her now as Yvette Nicole Brown who is, you know, Emmy-nominated actress. She's been on every sitcom in the world. And yeah. she's like, you know, she's kind of in my orbit. She's uh -huh. friends of, of, of friends of mine. So I was able to, to track her down and talk about her, you know, secret life as, uh, as a pop star for a moment in 1991. And she oh, wow. kind of got me deeper into what was known as the East Coast family that Sudden Impact was part of. And gotcha. so luckily I had an in. Thank okay. God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How fun. I, yeah, it was, a, it was a ball. It was just a ball. So what do you hope that people take away from this podcast? We do a weird and kind of cruel thing to ourselves and to each other when it comes to, you know, like having a big dream and like and, and reaching for the brass ring and, and, you know, trying to be a star or whatever. If it doesn't work out, then... We call we call the people who it doesn't work out for has-beens or also mm -hmm. rans or, you know, these kind of demeaning, dehumanizing names. We're so, so addicted to the idea of success, meaning fame and fortune and be constantly hustling to, like, get that money and, and become famous. And as life goes on, that doesn't guarantee happiness, you know? When, mm -hmm. when you start 
like when I started out in my career, I just wanted to be a part of it. I just wanted to like write or produce or, or just work in the, in the world of TV somehow. I just wanted to be inside and help make it. And then, you know, as, as you start to get a little bit of work and, and you make a bit of a name for yourself, this thing takes over where it's like your vanity makes you, you know, like you don't just now that once you're in the room where it happens, then it's like, well, now I want to be in the VIP section of the room where it happens. And then it's like, then I want, you know, then I want my name, you know, in lights on the marquee at the club and whatever. Yeah. You like forget what got you into it, which was just a desire to make art and, and to like be where be where it's happening. I talked to the guys in the band, spoiler alert, but I, I find I find one by one oh, uh, I love the guys in the band. But I also talked to a bunch of other people who I'm interested in who had success in the early 90s and then, you know, then just it sputtered out or they decided they didn't want it and they went in another direction or or whatever. And and, and it's we really kind of drill down into like what does success mean? And and if you know if you're not Rihanna, are you a failure? Um, mm-hmm. Like if you if you don't sustain a massive career, does that mean that you were bad or not talented or that you did something wrong, or is it just like kind of switched gears and you recalibrated and you moved on? And that's like fine too. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can still you can still be happy. The objective of of this life is to be happy, not to be you know not to necessarily be Rihanna. That we've got one and she's she's doing great. Yeah. Well, speaking of careers, you had an amazing career with MTV. I remember watching you on my TV for so many years, whether it was MTV News or TRL or any of the, you know, New Year's Eve. You've hosted so many things. So how did your career start with MTV? And just in general, like, did you go to school for broadcast journalism? No. Uh -uh. No, I... um, I did when I was in high school. I I um, I lied. There was a really good college station very near where I grew up, and and I listened to it obsessively. And uh, and when I got, in fact, I think a little before I got my driver's license, I think I might have ridden my bike to it and lied and said that I was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And I got I got an on air shift. I had a Saturday afternoon shift for the rest of high school. And then I kind of then I put it away because I felt like. If I didn't become a star that way, then it would be like shameful to pursue that line of work. I didn't know I didn't know how to like have a respectable career um, doing, you know, doing anything artistic. And, and I had always been an actor and a writer and all that kind of thing. In college, I really put it away to try to be more practical and be what I thought a man should be. And I graduated and I worked in advertising in New York for a few years and tried to be normal. And it just did not work at all. And I was sad and angry. And so I went to MTV to, um, they, they did an open call for VJs in 1998 and, and I called in sick from work and I stood in line and I auditioned and then I made like the top 10 and from the top 10 forward, it was all televised. It was all on live TV mm-hmm. and, uh, and it dwindled us down to like a top five or six. And then uh, like on a live Saturday afternoon show, there was a, a call in vote to, you know, who should, who, you know, it was called want to be a VJ. So it was like the viewer got to vote on who got it. And I did not get it. I, uh, I came in second. Who was first? A guy named Jesse Camp. Okay. Who was, if you remember, he was like um, a punk rock sort of character. Like, um, See, I don't remember tall, him. Very skinny. He, he was like a big character. Okay. You know? he, he was, he was a, a, a very wild person. He was like 18 and a character in a way that I am not. So he got the job and I, well, I guess I was 26 or 27 at the time. And I was like, I am not going to let this 
like slip through my fingers. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know, the people there kind of know who I am and maybe I can get a writing job and maybe I can get a production assistant job. But I'm like, I'm not going back to this advertising job that sucks my soul out of my body. Like I've, I am going to like call all of the people that I met through that experience and just keep nudging them until they either give me a job or say, we're calling the police. And luckily <laughs> they gave me a job and yeah, it was a writing job at first. And then because, you know, I was around the studios, I got, I screen tested for a show and that got picked up and it ended up working out, which is shocking. And I was there for four and a half years. Wow. And, and then suddenly it was like, you know, I went from, <laughs> I kept my roommates uh, it stayed in the, in the, the same place, but like my day-to-day job was like, you know, oh, it was, I was, uh, talking to Tom Cruise today and, and next week I'm going no to the Bahamas deal. for the summer <laughs> and whatever. Just like, just, it was crazy. Like yeah. my life just got bananas overnight. Oh my God. Which I would imagine you understand. Yeah. Very different though, because I mean, I remember being in high school and literally being an MTV VJ was a dream job for me. Oh, I totally started uh, studying broadcast journalism in college. I've always truly had a passion for hosting. And so just like watching all of your careers start on MTV was just so awesome because that's something, yeah, I've just always wanted to do. I still hope to do one day. Um, Caduce is a good friend of mine. I've known him for many of years. And I remember when I met him, it was like, I don't get starstruck by like big celebrities. I've met so many celebrities. Although when I saw Elton John at uh, Craig's one night, that was like, whoa. Tell me everything. It's Elton John. He was standing a foot away from me. And I was like, oh, do I say something? Do I not? And then he had like security around him. I didn't. I just stared at him in admiration. And I just, I didn't want to bother him. Like we're at Craig's and- you know, you don't go there to be bothered by a fan. There's paparazzi outside. So I didn't. But that was the one time by a big celebrity that I was like truly starstruck. But I remember when I met Caduce, I was just like, oh, my God, like I've been such a fan of you and like every MTV VJ since uh, as long as I can remember, like Vanessa Manillo and. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That That's wild. And it's such a different kind of thing. And And I would imagine it's similar to like to what you get, where it's like you're in my position it was you know I, there there was there were scripts to read and there there was work to do but i was essentially just being myself mm-hmm. right you know there was a lot of live tv where it was just kind of it, it depended on my personality and like and you are you're you on the show yeah and i do fans f- like walk up on you like they know you oh all the time you have no idea okay. how about yeah. this i was at tom tom the other night and we're talking to fans like the entire night at one point don't know if it was a fan or just a random person but i walked away to the bathroom and i announced to my friends i'm leaving my purse right here and someone i don't know if they thought they knew me well enough that they could just go in my purse went in my wallet and stole three of my credit cards stop it yeah Wow. Yeah. So that was a bad experience for me at Tom Tom. Somewhere I go to meet people and I just have such a good time. And uh, yeah, that happened. But, um, but normally they don't steal from us. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a, yeah, no, it was crazy. But all the time, I mean, people literally where I live, I'm on the sand um, in San Diego. We live on the beach and I'll just be standing out there sometimes and people will be riding their bikes and like, oh my God, is that Sheena? I'm like, hi. But I mean, I I love it. Yeah. Because if we don't have fans, you know, we don't have a job. We don't have a show. 
So exactly. I was appreciate it, all of that. Was it real quick? I mean, like, did you notice like one day, like, hold on, people are people are staring at me or people are whispering or Yeah, or, I think it was like when we started probably filming the second season, it was already popular so quick because our first season when it aired, I remember Stasi and I went with Lisa to New York and we were on the view. And I'm like, yeah. wait, what what is this? This is a What's show I watch with my mom on. and now I'm on it? Like what? And then I remember being in New York in a hotel and someone came up and recognized me. And from there, the show just got even more popular that now it's, it was weird in 2020 when like that didn't happen for a while and we're wearing masks and I'm in a hat and I'm at Walmart and like someone didn't come up to me. And then the second, you know, things started lifting when people would come up to me, I'm like, oh my God, do you have COVID? You don't have a mask on. Ah, but now I feel so much better about it. And now it's just nice that the world is opening back up again. The mask mandates have dropped and people, I say, you know, yeah. It happened fast too. It did. It really did. I, yeah. Like the day before the, the mandate got dropped, I went, there's a new Erewhon down Coldwater mm -hmm. in the Vanderpump Valley. And, uh, and I went in and nobody had a mask on. Yeah. And I think it was like a, a combination <laughs> of like, you know, Erewhon people being like, I'm healthy enough mm -hmm. or just like that sort of like wealthy Valley person entitlement or what. Oh, totally. But it was just like suddenly after two years, I was like, I'm seeing strangers faces. I, I got emotional. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I know. It was heavy. I mean, there was a one time where I had someone in my house and when I walked downstairs, this was for like our gender reveal. And when I walked uh -huh. downstairs, I was like, who is this person in my house for a very intimate moment? And it yeah. was my acupuncturist, who's now a very good friend of mine. Also, she was a very close friend of my fiance's and yeah. I had never seen her without a mask. Once she spoke and I heard her voice, I was like, oh my God, it's Monica. Wow. But I remember walking downstairs and I'm like, who is in my house for this intimate moment? And I was like, wow, I had yeah. for five months I had been seeing her and it was like, I never saw her without a mask. Wow. So yeah, That's to be able serious. to see people's faces again. So mm -hmm. nice. Are, are people nice when they approach you? Yes, that's the thing. They're not okay. nice on the internet, but they're always nice when they approach me. Do you engage online when people are? I do when people are wrong. I enjoy putting people in their place and giving the full story. So when someone comments on something and they're incorrect, I will correct them. If they're just talking shit, I'm just like, whatever. Sometimes I would block or restrict. Now I just pretty much ignore. But when someone's incorrect about something, I'm like, well, let me just tell you all the facts. And then if you still don't like me, then it is what it is. Okay. But And does that work? Usually, yeah. And I get a lot of apologies or like, oh my God, I didn't think you would ever see this. I'm so sorry. I'm like, then why did you say it if you didn't think I was going to see it? You just needed to vent. So you're venting to me about me. Or they just believe on some level that you don't actually exist, that yeah. you are like a, a character on totally. TV. Totally. I know. He's not a, a real person. Yeah. It's weird. I know. It's crazy. That's, yeah. I always wonder that. With uh... So I will, I will tell you this. I worked, this was probably 2019. Okay. 18, 19. Um, I did a, uh, a show for Bravo that was originally called Real Men Watch Bravo. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, me and Jerry O'Connell mm -hmm. and Michael Yo and Brendan Schaub. So I like crammed as much Bravo as I could in, in before we did those three episodes. And then it didn't get picked up. And I was, I wasn't like bitter, but I was like, Bravo, I need a break. Yeah. So w we've been on, and then during lockdown, I was like, I don't have the emotional bandwidth for anything 
oh, like it's so longer much. than <laughs> a music video or whatever. So I've been right. catching up. I've been catching up. Just watched you guys at uh, at Sunstone. Where, oh my gosh. Uh, we were up in Santa Ynez for my birthday this past weekend. Oh, nice. We were like ships in the night. Again. Yeah, right? I know. We're going to have to, a karaoke night. That's where it's going to happen. A wine-fueled karaoke night at a, at a house in Santa Ynez. Yes. Oh, um, I would love that. Absolutely. I'm in. Yeah. I remember that show because uh, Jerry O'Connell, he's obviously been yes. on like Watch What Happens Live so many times and he's a, a big times. Bravo fan we've uh, met before. I, he's on my bucket list of podcast guests, so I need to reach out to him. But I was so okay. excited for this oh show. And then, yeah, it just, yeah, what the hell, Bravo? Well, you know, I don't I think maybe at that particular moment in human history, it was maybe not the best look to have like an all male panel. Yeah, but it's it's a thing like real men watch Bravo like that's on their shirts. And yeah, they they literally sell T-shirts. Yeah, that was not the best title in the whole wide world. And to be honest with you, I I was not like the biggest housewives guy to begin with. Mm -hmm. But I I auditioned. I just sort of like I watched a few and I wrote some jokes and, and it luck it worked out yeah um but it was it, it could have been could have been fun could yeah have been fun. it could have it was a fun three weeks yeah so you've done so many interviews do you have one that stands out as your best and as your Ooh. worst Ooh. hmm oh god i don't know do i want to like you don't have to say necessarily who off. you could say who the best one is but the worst you could just tell the experience Honestly, I feel like right now I'm starting to get um, – now I'm an editor-at-large for Esquire. And so uh-huh. I get to like I, – I talk to different people than I did when I was at MTV. And I get to get into it more deeply. And and I find that really, really satisfying. Like it's not it's not as glamorous, but it's, it's really satisfying. I just got to uh, – this is not a sexy answer, but I got to interview uh, Anthony Edwards from ER and Top Gun and, yeah. um, and all that, who's like an actor who – you know, has been in my life for decades. Such an interesting guy. And he, he opened up about being a survivor of, uh, of sexual assault when he was a kid and, and, and the, the things that he's doing to like help destigmatize that for, uh, for other, you know, for other men and, and for, you know, people in the, in the military and whatever. And it was just, it, it got way deeper than I was ever able to get with, you know, Jessica Simpson, right. when I had, you know, <laughs> 45 seconds to talk to her in between videos or whatever. I'll tell you, I I mentioned Tom Cruise before. So I came out to L.A. to do, it was right around the time Mission Impossible 2 came out. And there was like a Limp Biscuit video from it and whatever. And we interviewed him as part of the junket for that movie out here at the the Four Seasons in West Hollywood. And we had him in a room and there was a little tiny studio audience. And I was there with a couple producers who were friends of mine. And he came in and like the energy... In the like the molecules in the air started to like vibrate differently. Like it was, it was so like everybody was kind of dumbstruck. Yeah. One of my producers greeted him, said, "Hey, money," and then like brought him to his his seat. And then like he and I, Tom Cruise and I talked for like ten minutes, and he did that big Tom Cruise laugh anytime I said something that he thought was a joke. And and it was so, he was so intense and so into it that I was like, I'm best friends with Tom Cruise. Like we're going <laughs> to, when this is over, we're going to like go to the hotel bar yes. and, and then we'll do karaoke. Like I was like, this is, this is real and this is happening. And then our 10 minutes ended and the, the crowd like applauded and he was just gone. Like off to do it again in another room. And my producer was like, 
did I call him money? I've never called a human being money in my life. Like there's just something, some, he does something to you that, uh, that it's weird. It's like, it's charisma. It's just yeah. like truly charisma. So I probably didn't do the best job in that interview, but he really made me feel like I did. And that's key. Did you ever get an interview Britney Spears? Sure did. Many times. Yeah. In fact, like real early, I don't, I don't know if I was, if it was me when we premiered Baby One More Time, it was either her like first or second visit I was there. Yeah. And yeah. And On TRL? That was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was, I, what I remember from her was like 100% the professional. Like I, you know, going on to live TV, I always had a little bit of nervous energy and anxiety, but she was like, she just was cool as a cucumber and like, you know, at the center of a, a million record industry people and, and publicists and stylists and all that, you know, a lot of pressure on her mm-hmm. shoulders, but you would not, you would never have known it. She was very poised. Um, you know, there was a lot going on that we didn't know about, but you know, in those early days, it really, she, you know, she really seemed like she was very much in control, which I think in the early days she kind of was. And then, you know, everything kind of changed. Yeah. I mean, now, you know, she's free. Brittany has been freed. The conservatorship has dropped. What did you think about that for how long it went on for her family, just for how that all went down? It's what's wild to me is, is how it, it became like the free Brittany movement when I first became aware of it, which by the way, was started by a couple of friends of mine, Tess Barker and uh, Babs Gray had a podcast called Britney's Graham. And, yeah. And then, you know, the story now, like a, totally. you know, an anonymous attorney gave them all this information and, and then mm-hmm. the free Britney movement uh, kind of grew out of that. And it was, it, there was so much like analysis, like deep granular analysis of her, of her Instagram and her captions. And like, to me, I, I called it gay QAnon, right? Because it just seemed like, it seemed just like there's, you're going too deeply into it. Pretty much everything has like borne out as fact. Yeah. Right? So I just hope that I I hope that we can leave her alone now. You yeah. know, and I'm not I'm not holding out a lot of hope because, you know, whatever it was 12 years ago when she went into this thing, we weren't all carrying, you know, cameras and, and video equipment in our pocket the way that mm-hmm. we are now, or at least it wasn't as sophisticated. And now it's like everybody can get that shot. And, and as much as I, I would like to think that we've grown as a society, I think, I still think people are going to be looking for that one picture of her looking a little fucked up or or something. And I, I just, you know, I, I hope that we can like be, have more grace than that, but I'm Mm -hmm. not, I'm not super optimistic about it. You got to interview her on TRL and I just, I just got to give a shout out to that show, man. I miss TRL. I mean, you know, it's, it's wild, um, to have been there, like when that thing was built, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like I started in the summer of 98 and, and there, there was the, the countdown show called total request and there yeah. was MTV live, which was the daily live show. And then that autumn they like merged them and like, you know, it was this thing that happened in the afternoon that, you know, barely anyone watched and there was no one out in Times Square. And then like six months later, the police are are like monitoring the situation in Times Square so the kids don't get hit by a bus and the ratings are through the roof and, and like these new stars are being minted. And it's, it was completely insane. And like, I, um, you know, I was a big MTV junkie when I was 12, 13, 14. 
And, uh, you know, that was like the mid eighties. So it was all, you know, Madonna and Prince and Michael Jackson and all of that stuff and all of their like MTV appearances and, and those, like the stuff that I saw on that network is like indelible. And it made me want to get out and like be an artist of some kind. And so to like, now that the 12, 13, 14 year olds of the TRL era are like in their thirties and are, you know, some of them really are running LA and when I have a meeting and people like, you know, have like strong and specific memories of things that happened on TRL, mm-hmm. it's like, God, what, what a, what a privilege, you know, to, to like have just sort of been a part of that for someone, you know? So awesome. Yeah, it was. And even at the time, even when it was, you know, annoying or, or whatever, it was still, everybody was really grateful for like, for the fact that we were there. Like it, it was, it was wild as hell. Totally. I mean, music television has changed so much since those mm-hmm. days when it was actually music television. Now on MTV, yeah. you know, it's 16 and pregnant. It's Jersey Shore. It's so much reality TV that we've lost the music television aspect. You have to go on YouTube or Vimeo or wherever now to watch music videos so much that I don't even watch music videos anymore. Yeah, I largely I don't. But here's the thing. We what happened when YouTube happened and when the streaming services happened is you were never not in charge of what comes next. Mm -hmm. Right. Like if you a thing that we have started doing in lockdown is uh, my boyfriend put up a like a projection area in our backyard and we'll have our friends over and I'll make a collaborative YouTube playlist and everyone gets to add a few things and it's music videos and live performances and comedy sketches and whatever. But basically like we're, we direct it, right? And when mm-hmm. you sit down to watch a bunch of YouTube stuff, you're in charge. And when you make a playlist on Spotify, you're in charge of what comes next. The The idea of like letting someone else curate your experience for you Especially a stranger, you know, in like some suit in a building is like that was how I grew up and how you grew up. But it's not how the kids are coming up now. And like they're not there's no interest in in them giving that control back to someone else. Yeah. You know, the Internet and all this stuff, it's great and it's very convenient, but it killed what music television is like even radio. I don't know anyone who listens to like the radio anymore. No. Do you? Um, My mom. But I finally have upgraded her to Sirius. So now she's okay, like, good. how could I ever go back to radio? <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. A yeah. major leap forward. Yeah. With my mom. So I've got this podcast now. Mm-hmm. And it's she is so from the, the age of radio that it's like I cannot make her understand that there's no such thing as missing an episode. Yeah. She's always like, oh, did I miss it? Like, no, you didn't. It's just, it's a podcast. It's going to be there. You right. Know? Okay. <laughs> what channel? There's no channel, mom. It's just going to, it's in your pocket. It's in your pocket when you're ready for it. But that's like, that is so much a part of her identity that it's like, she can't shake that. And on the, you know, on the flip side of that coin is like the kids who just kind of uh, wouldn't watch an hour of music videos if you put it in front of them. Mm-hmm. Apple TV tried to do something like that. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Some of the best music videos I feel like used to be all of the boy bands in the 90s and the early 2000s. Who Who was your favorite? I was going to ask you the same. So were you NSYNC or Backstreet? Um, I'm giving a slight edge to NSYNC. Yeah, same. Same, right? 
Yeah. So NSYNC was, at, well, first, if you're going to ask my favorite, it would have started with New Kids on the Block. I remember, well, of course. Well, I guess maybe I, I don't know if I can really remember when I was like three or four, but I do still to this day have two of the New Kids on the Block. I have Jordan and Donnie. I have their wow. Barbies in what? my case that's in storage like i still have wow. those barbies and i remember jordan had like the braid like the rat tail and i didn't oh, yeah, like it did. and i cut it off <laughs> okay i think that was a smart aesthetic move yeah but um so it started with new kids on the good block. eye from an early age right yeah and then nsync backstreet i mean but then i loved 98 degrees when they came out and then you know lfo was around briefly yeah. You know, here's the thing with like 98 Degrees and LFO. Th were you ready at that age for that degree of arms? For that for that like <laughs> kind of a Chippendales right. sort of a moment? Because like Backstreet and NSYNC, they were, they were all in shape and stuff, mm -hmm. but like you kind of had to- It was to, different. Yeah. You had to like, you, they, you had to create the image in your mind. Yeah. 98 Degrees just busted out in tank tops. Oh, totally. You know, fresh off of arm day. Mm-hmm. And uh, how was that for, for the young, the young gal of the late night? I mean, I think that probably made me more interested in men with muscles because my first boyfriend in high school had the arms and ended up getting the tattoos just like the guys in 98 Degrees. So maybe that's where it started. It could you be. You know? It could be. Set a type. Yeah. Um, you mentioned New Kids on the Block. Mm -hmm. um, Joey McIntyre is uh, yep. is on Waiting for Impact. He's in episode, oh. I think, four. Because he's somebody I wanted to talk to because, you know, they were on top of the world. They did get that, like, massive success that Sudden Impact was going for. But then it all kind of, you know, Nirvana blew up and, mm -hmm. and the culture changed and they, like, they dropped off sharply. Mm -hmm. um, and he has so much good stuff to say. He's a really interesting guy. And they have a new song out, and I really like it. Really? Yes. See, I love that the bands, the bands are all getting back together. We yes. just, we need an NSYNC reunion. Like, do you think Justin Timberlake will ever do it? I can't imagine. I can't imagine. <sighs> I know. I, I know. But like. He's given us a, a little taste, like in his, uh, I don't know, was it? at the Video Music Awards yes. or at his halftime show or something, there was a brief reunion, like Very the way brief. Beyonce did with mm -hmm. Destiny's Child. But it was just kind of like, okay, there's do the running man real quick and yeah, running man like, I did it. Here. There you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't I can't imagine. I can't imagine. He you know, he's an interesting case because, you know, in this year where we're kind of reimagining the way or revisiting the way that we treated Britney Spears, mm -hmm. a lot of people's attention is on like, well, Justin Timberlake was kind of a, kind of a d bag yeah. in that in that moment. You know, totally. like he, he did some he did some questionable stuff, and and the, and like the the statements that he's made in recent years have been a little clunky. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, honestly, actually, maybe as like a you know as a way to uh, sort of rehabilitate his image, maybe maybe we will get a maybe. brief in sync uh, reunion. But yeah, I can't. I don't. I don't know. The Backstreet Tour, a reunion tour in Vegas. That yeah. Did you get to see the show at all? No, I didn't. Oh, my God. It okay. was incredible. It was so good that I was like, am I sure I was Team NSYNC over Backstreet? Because yeah. it was just such a good show. Yeah. Okay. I would imagine they would put on a good show. Yeah. Who, um, who did you like in Backstreet? Ooh. I think Nick was always my favorite. 
He was the youngest. They were all a little older than myself. So Mm -hmm. Nick was my favorite. My mom always liked Kevin. She thought Kevin was so sexy. And (laughs) last year, my fiance Brock got to play in a golf tournament with Kevin. And I was the cart girl, right? So I'm driving around and I'm like, oh my God, Kevin Richardson is on Brock's team. Like I need to go and like deliver them cigars and alcohol and I want to meet him. And so I just like had a fangirl moment. I was like, I don't care. I'm 36 years old. I'll I'll fangirl for a minute. And I was like, hey, I was like, I'm Sheena. I was like, this is my fiance. I said, um, you guys were so great back in Vegas. I got to go backstage. I have like photos with you. I got to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And Brock is like, who is this guy she's talking to? And he kind of pulls me aside and he goes, who is that? And I was like, yeah. Kevin from the Backstreet Boys. You don't even know who you're playing golf with? Look at with? those eyebrows. I know. Look at those eyebrows. Yeah. And so now we're friends with him and his wife. We're invited to their tour that they're doing this summer. And I'm like, how cool. Who would have thought that like in high school, you would become friends with these people you idolized in bands. It just, it's so wild. It's real weird. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's 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 strange, you know? Like, it's, I will catch myself being uh, that way. Having to remind myself that, like, some of the people I know in real life are, are people. Like, every now and then I do get a little carried away with the fanboy, you know? Uh, okay, in sync. Who was your, who was your boy in sync? So, fun, fun story here. JC. I loved JC. I also liked Lance. Justin was not sure. my fave. He was my third. It went JC then Lance, and then Justin. And when I was in college, I was at a club and JC was there. And I'm like, play it cool, play it cool. Ended up talking to him. I didn't even have, I wasn't 21. I had a fake ID. Didn't tell him that I wasn't 21. I mean, I was still of age, but I was 20. We were in college and my girlfriends and I got invited back to his house for an after party and I have a photo it's in storage but it's in my box of like photos because there were no iPhones or anything back then I I don't even think I had a Blackberry yet and we had like a digital camera and I have a photo with him dancing on a table in his house that was like up um Mount Olympus area uh-huh. And that tracks. Yeah, I have a photo dancing on a table with him that it was just like, what is my life? I'm just a college student studying broadcast journalism, and now I'm hanging out with J.C. Chazé from NSYNC. What on earth? Wow. Yeah, that was J.C. Fun. is absolutely the right answer, mm-hmm. A. And B, talk me through a J.C. after party. What kind of debauchery are we talking about? I mean, it was so small. It was only me, two of my girlfriends, and one, maybe two of his friends. Uh And honestly, like to this day, I mean, I bet if I hit him up, like we could still be cool and hang out. I ran into him years ago and I was like, he doesn't remember me. And he was like, Sheena. I was like, wait, what? We were at the Grove and we were both going to see, I think it was Inside Out, whatever year that came out. That was the last time I ran into him and he totally remembered me. And I'm like, wow, I didn't think you would, but we had stayed in touch over the years, just a text here or there, maybe see him at an event. And yeah, yeah, he was always my favorite. And to just get to be in his presence and then get invited to an after party and then kind of loosely stay in touch for years was so cool. Incredible. Justin, um, the hair was rough at the beginning. The hair was hard to get past. Mm -hmm. The tight, tight curls. It was, it was too much. Yeah. It was a little too much. He grew into it. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the, the justified era, I mean, by then he had had it pulled oh, together, but totally. at first 
there were there were some deficits mm-hmm. to overcome. Yeah, agreed. First. Yeah. And I feel okay. like boy bands today, it's just it's not the same. Like I mean, One Direction, love them, but you know they don't do like the choreographed dancing and the matching and all of the stuff. It's just it's so different. Yeah, it really is. I got to go to uh, to SoFi Stadium uh, down in Inglewood mm-hmm. late last year for BTS. Oh. So I did, uh, did a cover story on BTS. For yeah. Like the bummer is that it happened, you know, in high COVID. So I didn't get to like actually go to South Korea and like do it properly. It was all over Zoom. But awesome guys, like super friendly and great to talk to and, and all that. But uh, I went to their show and it was... I've never seen anything like it. They were mm-hmm. like the the dancing was incredible. The the, the showmanship, they just, everything about it was was wild. And and the crowd was old and young and male and female and everyone just you know flipping out. But it is yeah, it's a it's a very it's a very different world. There's still a lot of boy bands out there. It's just you know totally. It's you know. just different. But yeah, they are the one I was thinking of that still. They, they dance, you know, I mean, I went to so many One Direction shows with my sister and I mean, they're great, you know, they put on a good show, but I just wanted to see them all do like a couple eight counts together. Come on. <laughs> you Come know? on. Yeah. Yeah. Give me something. Give me something. A Get, little d- something. Stomp a foot. Do something. Yeah. So you are with Esquire. You've got your podcast, your passion project, Waiting for Impact. What else do you have in the works right now? Good Lord. Um, I'm, I'm like grinding at all times. Um, I'm working, I'm producing a couple TV things that are not like announced yet, but, um, but I also do a, uh, a podcast called homophilia with my friend, Matt McConkey, Mm -hmm. where we, uh, we talk to, to awesome queer adults about their lives and their, you know, like the, the pop culture that they, they love and they're obsessed with and, and what their love lives look like. Um, you know, the age of the podcast allows us to have deeper conversations than we were able to, to, to have publicly even just a few years ago. Oh, totally. I love Um, that. Yeah. So I do that. I have a, a sort of game show podcast called troubled waters. Once we're back on stage properly, I do a, um, a, uh, a comedy game show thing with my friend Scott Gimple, who's the uh, was the showrunner of The Walking Dead and is now just sort of in charge of the Walking Dead universe. Okay. Uh, called The Friday 40, where we answer 40 questions about the events of the last week while we all drink 40s of beer. Uh-huh. Um, Fun. And, yeah, and then I'm, like, I'm just, like, writing stuff all over the place. I'm doing a, a feature now for Runner's World, and I'm writing for AARP Magazine, and I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I'm... Busy, Try busy. To grind while the grinding's good, you know? Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time. This has been so much fun. I'm so Gina, glad we were able to make it work. I am too. Thank you so much for having me on. It's, yeah. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Definitely. We're uh, going to karaoke. Yes, we are. All right, everyone. If you haven't already, be sure to check out Dave Holmes' podcast, Waiting for Impact, among his many, many other projects. Dave, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Oh my God, that was so much fun. Sheena Shea. Shea FK. Thanks for listening to Shenanigans with Sheena Shea. Download new episodes every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Get over here, boy. I'm gonna make you mad. Yeah. Do you want it? Let me see you shake that.